I'm going to ask for a dick pic as much as the next girl once I've met the person, once I know I want it, you know? But let's not start there. I thought that was implied. Clearly not. Welcome to Fuck, Love, Laugh. Hi. Welcome. I'm going to start with a few disclosures here for you. One is that I'm not well. So if I sound funny, I can't fix that for you. Um, That's part of me being unwell at the moment. The other is that I've got some new audio equipment Thanks in um, part to Adam for insisting that it is time for more appropriate audio equipment and to Morbius for his critical feedback on the audio quality. I haven't really been worried about that until now because it's not really a focus so much as the content and making sure that this is something valued. But Adam insisted and you don't say no to that man and I'm ever grateful. Thanks, Adam. Um, So between those two things, I'm going to sound a whole world of different this week. So (laughs) sorry, except not sorry, because that's not something I control. And I'm trying to get better at not apologizing for things out of my control. Um, So yeah, I've not been well. And I've been using that as an excuse um, to avoid this episode. (laughs) And I have been avoiding it for a lot more reasons than just that. I've been afraid. I've felt very stuck recently. And in the last day or two, I've been working to be unstuck through some really great conversations. So yeah, I've been feeling stuck, 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 stuck. And the way I've been describing that is that my energy is just everywhere. Definitely attributing that to being sick, but it's really not the only reason. And Today, beautiful Bella took me to the beach. Thank you, Bella. I always feel the most connected and aligned with myself and attuned, maybe even whole when I'm near the ocean. I'm a water baby in that way. Um, I'll get back to the Pisces reference later. You're welcome, Morbius. Um, But yeah, another reason is that I don't have a guest today. And that's been a point of fear for me as well. I have quite a few people halfway committed. And I value that. I'm so grateful for their consideration. And I know that that's because they are trying to be ready. And some of the work for me is in not pushing people and in accepting timing is everything and what I'm going to get from people when they're ready and when things align is going to be perfectly valuable and rushing that could easily mitigate that so part of that fear is that you know I'm sitting here going fuck is all of this going to end before it even begins and I'll get back into that in a little bit here But yeah, over the last few weeks and specifically the last few days, I've been sharing with people I love. Um, Over the last few weeks, I've been sharing Fuck Love Laugh with people that I love and gaining so much support 
obviously the people who have been on the podcast, um, my partner Adam for episode four. Also, my sister has been listening and she said to me, it feels like we're hanging out and she's valuing it in that way. Um, I also get to chat to some of my close friends like Billy and Bella, who not only were guests on the podcast, but also listen and give me feedback and gain insight into my life through this. Uh, Adam hadn't listened to anything until he was on the podcast and now he listens regularly. So that's a point of fear as well. These people I love deeply have this insight into my life. And I've always been someone who shares very vulnerably, very openly, sometimes too candidly, too loudly and aggressively. But this is really cool because people can tune in when they want to, when they're in the right space for it, and they get to control the intake of the information I'm putting out. And I value that. I've also started sharing the podcast with people <laughs> that I fuck. Whoops. I don't know. I don't know if it's a whoops, but um, I assume there's a guessing game as to who of my guests I have engaged with sexually. But outside of that, also just people who haven't even been on the pod, but who I engage with in a sexual or relational capacity are and maybe listening. So those elements of people I love and people I fuck listening has really changed the way I view this podcast. It's not anonymous strangers on the internet. It's people in my life. And that has been part of my fear. How do I respect that? Respect privacy. And yet continue to share vulnerably, which is what I've committed to. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, because I share with people I love and because I share with people I fuck. Um, I know that some of the work to come is going to be looking at my relationship with Adam and where that's evolving to, my relationship with myself and what that requires and how that impacts my relationship with Adam. I also will probably be dialoguing around my relationship with a few other people um, Primarily, I'm dating men at the moment. Um, I do engage with others, um, some couples and some women, but not to the same extent yet. I'm exploring that. But I'm probably going to share about those relationships, those learning partners, those friendships. Um, and that's scary. I already am apprehensive knowing that as I process with you, Adam has access to that. And sometimes I share with you before I share with Adam. Um, for various reasons, sometimes because I've tried with him and he's not ready. Sometimes because I need to do it out loud first with myself, with you as a diary form. And then sometimes because it just comes up. So, I want to respect that process. I want to respect our relationship. I want to respect that sometimes I'm going to need things that might not be Adam's ideal. Sometimes I'm going to 
draw boundaries. Sometimes I'm going to push boundaries that maybe Adam's not ready to push himself. Um, but I'm forging in knowing this is about me. This is about owning myself, owning my sexuality, owning my relationships, owning my identity. And he knows that and he respects that. I also am going on to all this knowing that other people I engage with hear my thoughts and <laughs> making sure that I share in a way that's respectful of all of those relationships, but also shares vulnerably with you. So yeah, like I said, now I feel so seen and there's a new fear in this, but I'm committed in many ways and I'm committed to using fuck love laugh as it was intended. I was speaking to Billy yesterday, I believe. And I just said to her, I'm so fucked for the next episode. And she said, what a great opportunity for you to think out loud. Have you tried just sitting down to record and see what comes up? And I had, I'd thought about it and I was afraid. Um, I knew this is what I needed to do. So thanks for fucking calling me out of my shit, Billy. This is always, fuck love life. It was always meant to be a space that was presented in part as an audio diary, a way of processing for me. And I've been so fortunate to have these guests that I can take through the fuck love life interview. And that really became my focus. And in that is a huge part of it. And that shared space where we're unpacking content with guests and contributors around eroticism, power, sexuality, gender, relationships, monogamy, all of that is a huge part. But I've steered away from that personal sharing. So I think I've been just considering formatting it so that every other episode involves a guest or and then the alternating one would be me. Or like Hats sort of landed is, you know, a few guests and then an episode of me. And then a few guests and an episode of me. So like I said, this is a learning and it's growing and shifting and evolving. And I'm not afraid of that. So we'll see. But yeah, in dialoguing with Billy around that and her saying to me, just go and think out loud, see what comes out. Um, that just helped me realize I don't always trust my voice and my intuition and my instinct. And I think there's internal messaging for me. I'm being told or have historically been told or that, you know, using your intuition and your instinct, that's not logical. It's naive or it's not head focused. And there's a huge part of me, specifically when I left my faith, that used logic and science and reasoning to find my way in the world and frame the world. And I needed that. But it also has kind of meant I've stopped trusting myself and attuning to my inner self and those energies and intuitions that I think are so valuable and almost vital. Um, so that's worked for me. 
and it has been over the last year or so, is trusting myself again and really listening to my intuition. intuition. And when I do, I almost never regret it. My gut is so strong. And when I think about it, and back to when I used to exist in the framework of this Christian faith that I was raised in, that voice of God that I was told I was hearing, when I reframe it with my worldview now, I think it's my inner voice, is my inner self, is my, uh, that voice behind the ego that I can't remember the term that's used commonly, but that served me, that inner voice led me to some amazing choices in my life. It led me to the country I live in now. It led me to relationships I've left and entered into. It caused me to leave my faith, which is when I recognized it wasn't God in the sense I saw it anyway. But yeah, Billy reassured me in saying, you have so much info to give. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust that and share with you today from that mindset. I used to be so aligned with myself. Like I used to have so much trust in myself and so much confidence when I was younger. I have a story from when I was young. I don't know what year I would have been in, maybe grade four or so, where my mother and my sister said to me, you're bossy and nobody likes you. I'm sure those aren't the words they used, but that's what I locked in as a story in my mind. And I remember them hearing... I remember hearing your confidence, your strength is too much. People are uncomfortable with it. And the child in me wouldn't have known how to process that. And so I took it and let it change me. The work that I've done in self-development over the years meant that I was able to examine this discuss it with my sister and my mom and and have them share with me what they intended and and the hurt of the way that I took it and them expressing they had no idea the impact it had on me and an awareness of that for me like that wasn't they did nothing wrong that was in the way I took it and what it became for me but that was very freeing that conversation to share that with them and over the years I've been learning to take that bossy woman that I am and use it what can that mean for me? And how can those be my strengths instead of my weaknesses? And part of that is in like really attuning to myself again. So I've come back into alignment with myself slowly more and more over time. That's just one example of like an inner story from when I was younger, but I've been doing some inner child work and some meditations over the last little while. Partly this was inspired by, um, I follow on Instagram, Rising Woman. Um, there's this incredible woman called Shalina. I don't know how to say her last name. Ayana, maybe? She, oof, stuff she puts out, it hits for me. Um, she does a lot of work in conscious relationships um, and some stuff called shadow work. But I did her inner child meditation and fuck, that brought up some stuff for me. I've done some of that in a different framing, um, looking at it through a seminar that I went to at one point in my life. And the way that they languaged it was that it was like your inner stories or your rackets. And that unpacked a lot for me. It was a huge point of personal development. But that inner child meditation that I followed with Shalina, um, go and find it. 
it won't be hard to find if you look up Rising Woman in Shalina on um, social media or through her website. It's a beautiful free meditation. I followed it a couple of times, but the first time I lay in my bed, I think I was naked under the covers. Either way, I felt unbound and I put headphones in and I lay. And one of the things I've learned about meditations or mindfulness of any kind, um, I'm very cautious around anything quote unquote spiritual. Um, I think there's so much value in looking at life from so many different frameworks. And like I said, I value logic and reason and scientific method, but I also value that people use language. They use concepts. They use art. They use analogy. They use visualization. We perceive our world individually. And what we believe, we will perceive. So you can grab so many different quote-unquote spiritual frameworks and see the world and find truth in them. So much of what you're going to find or what you're going to hear aren't going to resonate with you. And that's okay. I don't even think there's a lot that is true. Um, But I do believe there's a lot that you can create that is true if you believe it. It's the best explanation I have for you now. I'm evolving that and my way of explaining that. But the reason I feel the need to discuss that is because this woman does a lot of work around sort of astrology linked concept that I'm not 100% sure of, which is why I referenced the Pisces thing earlier. Um, I haven't fully been able to perceive the world through a strong appreciation for astrology. Um, Definitely some stuff in there. Um, I think if I fully leaned in, I could perceive the world through that lens and and see some value. But anyway, um, Shalina and Rising Women put some beautiful stuff out about shadow work and that stuff that it brought up for me and that, that mindfulness or that meditation around inner child work. One of the things that came up for me is that I don't trust myself anymore. I don't connect to my inner child the way I used to. Um, it's so cool. Like I said, any spiritual sort of work I go into, I always go in really cautiously and with curiosity and with questioning. I think you shouldn't take anything as blindly true. I think you need to be critical of everything you examine. So when I go into a meditation of any kind, I'm not afraid to queer it. I'm not afraid to uh, take what it gives me and replay it and restructure it and use it for what I can. So one of the things that was in that meditation was about speaking to your inner child. And I perceived it as um, forgiving your inner child or supporting your inner child or reaching them. When I went into that meditation, what happened for me was my inner child consoled me. She reached me. I apologized to her and she said, you got nothing to say sorry to me for. I'm exactly who I need to be. I'm here. I'm whole. She said, I I hurt for you. You've let this go. You've let the world distort you and your love for yourself. I'm here. I love myself. I'm whole. Take me with you and to be that again. 
and that joining again to that inner child and and her being there going trust yourself trust us let's you can have anything the world is yours fuck that was healing it was so weird I remember laying there and I cried and I went for a walk after and I just had all these like amazing realizations and conversations that came out of it it was wild so yeah that's something I'll um reference in this episode so you can go and explore that work I also one of the things I want to talk about this week is a conversation I had with Bella recently um coming out of this work I've also been exposed to on Instagram and through this woman's work um a woman called Julia Allen She's a qualified psychologist and sexologist. She runs something called the Pleasure School, which heroic work. Um, and she runs the Authentic Sex Podcast, which I've just started digging into. And fuck, speaking of timing, everything I find lately in that realm, I'm like, what? How have I not found this sooner? And knowing that the timing is everything. Um, I dug into her first episode. She dialogues around something called the sacred slut. Fuck, that hit for me. I sent the episode to Bella, and she's like, uh, this woman is you. There's so many parallels between this woman's conceptual frameworks and her understanding and the work she does and the work you state you want to do. Granted, this woman is qualified um, through universities, which, again, I've expressed my perspective on academic learning versus experiential. The cool thing about Juliet is she has both. She discusses how she participates in everything she preaches. She's obviously a very sexually active and exploratory woman. She speaks from a place of experience as well as education. And you can tell she takes so many worldviews and amalgamates them. I think she's um, Kundalini qualified and Tantric qualified. She also has various academic qualifications in that world. So um, I bow to that woman. She's what I want to be in so many ways. I don't know her personally, but the work she's creating. Oof. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to that woman. Going back to what I said about that content I explored through the Authentic Sex podcast, just that first episode, Juliet talks about sacred slut and what that looks like. And really what this helped me examine is that sexuality link in all of us. And whether we embrace that or we ignore it or repress it, I sent that to Bella, I said, and um, she was like, yeah, this is you. Like, this is this one aligns to you in so many ways. You align to this woman in so many ways. Um, and that term sacred thought I hadn't heard before sacred whore I've heard elsewhere. Um, and what that brought up for me is that there's just so much content that I've been avoiding through fuck, love, laugh, things I've added it out, things I just haven't talked about or things I've sort of trimmed because it felt too real or maybe it felt too, inappropriate or even taboo and again in sharing vulnerably I, I don't want to do that I don't want to avoid that I'm trying to access as many people as possible to help encourage people to embrace their sexuality embrace the access your body can give you to your mind 
and to the world and to your perception of the world. So there are definitely things that I say carefully or concepts I think need to be explored delicately. But some of the things I'm avoided, I have avoided, I want to get into a little bit. One of them is this concept of being a sacred slut. Um, That's new language for me, but concept is so relevant and applicable for a while. I, where that started for me is being highly sexually attuned person and body aware person through my sexual energy from a very young age. I remember masturbating from a very, very young age and self-soothing. I've always been very sexually charged. I remember discovering it organically and not having any natural shame around it. Why should we? I have a lot of ideas around how society deals with that and how dangerous that can be. Um, which I hope to explore in another podcast around how we educate people about their bodies. But where I'll go with it today is that at some point in my early childhood, this became very repressed. I recognized through the religion that my family practiced, through my family's beliefs, through the culture that I existed in, that this wasn't okay. This was something no one pitched to me as just doing in private. It was don't do it, really. It was do it if you have to, if it's your worst case scenario, if it's your only option. Um, And then again, I found the sexuality a little bit as a teen as I reached puberty. Um, And then I don't think I necessarily used it very healthily. I think self-touch almost became a way to hide. Mm. I don't think I used it in ways that helped evolve me or access myself better. I think I've mentioned more recently that I experienced depression as a teenager. um, And I remember through that, I didn't access my sexuality very much at all. And when I did, I don't think it was from a place of love and exploration. I think it was access to dopamine (laughs) and oxytocin. Um, But then again, as a young adult, I finally access this again in some really unhealthy, but also very healthy ways. I met my partner and I started to examine sex with love and sex in a trusting relationship and sex as a giving and receiving of energy and sex with orgasms, big fun. Um, (laughs) the orgasm gap and our understanding of the female body is something I'll get into in another episode. And then somewhere along the line, I started repressing my sexuality again as an adult. I repressed this as a wife and what I believed a wife needed to look like or, you know, a respectable woman in society. But I'm a sacred slut. Like I'm embracing this and through fuck love laugh, I want to share that. And in my life, I don't really know what that's going to look like. I know that I connect with a a number of people sexually. I'm selective and conscious in who I choose to engage with. People who are considered, people who are doing work on themselves, people who can dialogue around it and get an appreciation for the why of what they do. 
I've always been someone who's spoken quite boldly about sex and sexuality. No surprise there. <laughs> Hosting a podcast called Fuck Love Laugh. I'm someone who's pushed conversations to these uncomfortable points. I mentioned with Morbius, um, an episode of with Morbius, a conversation I had with my dad about him discussing uh, having a masturbatory conversation with my brother and then me mentioning he had never had that with me and his response being like, oh, well, women masturbate. So you can clearly tell I'm not afraid to push dialogue when it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, but now I'm pushing dialogue around relationship structures and questioning the status quo and how sexu sexuality sits relationally, how sexuality sits within monogamy and how monogamy in many ways, in many societies, is a systemic way of oppressing us sexually and relationally. So I want to share on this space. I want to learn more. I want to educate myself and others. The space I'm trying to create is a space which serves to abolish shame around sexuality and the links to this toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. I've expressed how my sharing sexually in group dynamics and in threesomes has really helped me release a lot of that, that competitiveness. The more I speak to people who are open in these relationship structures or who examine group play or threesome play, the more I'm amazed at what they've been able to break down personally and societally. And it's just re reasserting for me that there's something to this. Um, I've been using my social media, specifically Instagram, to look at how you guys see all this. And one of the polls stated for me that I'm not the only one who thinks that sex can be therapeutic. My question for you guys was, um, can sex be used as therapeutic healing? What do you think? And 89% said, yeah, fuck yeah. And the other question I asked was around, do you explore masculine and feminine in yourself and these energies in yourself? And a hundo percent of you said yes, which elates me and means I want to do more work in this, in this space. I want to bring in people who are challenging the gender identities of the world. I delve into this a little personally, but I want people who have really a lot of lived experience in that. People who present in the world as bisexual or homosexual, who are gender fluid, gender queer, who are non-binary. So I'm looking at examining that a lot more. Okay, so something I know is important for me this week is thanking you for your continued support. For those of you sharing and responding to questions on Instagram, for those of you sending me DMs, for those of you sending me voice messages, I'm loving it. It connects us. It makes this what I want Fuck Love Laugh to be. Some of you have sent requests as to focuses. Um, some of you have put forward perspectives you would like to see examined. So some of the concepts you've been requesting um, is an exploration of compersion. So I'd like to do that soon. I think I would like to do that with a guest, someone who's experienced different elements of what I've researched as like the compersion quadrant. If you want to look that up, Google that. 
the compersion quadrant. But essentially, let me give you like a brief outline today of how I've perceived and understood and researched compersion. So you have yourself and you have your partner or partners or a partner. Um, and when you are experiencing compersion, you're experiencing happiness through your partner's happiness or success or fortune. It's varied to jealousy in that when your partner experiences happiness or success or joy or something positive and you're unhappy or you're triggered or you're set off in some way, that would be jealousy. Then you've also got the other side of that where someone is having a misfortune or um, a negative experience. And if you're happy, that's something, I believe it's a German word, Schengenfreud, which essentially means you're getting pleasure from someone else's misfortune, which that's to be examined for sure. Um, or someone else's misfortune might lead to you being unhappy as well, which would be empathy. So the opposing side of the quadrant of compersion is empathy, right? Someone experiences something misfortunate and you feel unhappy. Compersion is the flip of that. Someone feels something positive, rewarding, and you also then get joy in that experience. So I think people look at it from a sexual standpoint. You can experience compersion in that way for, for certain, um, but I don't think it needs to be examined exclusively from that lens. I definitely think most of us have experienced compersion outside of that realm. Like, especially if you're a parent, I, I feel like that would be uh, extremely relevant. I am not a parent, but I have um, the analogy. I, I can't remember if I heard this somewhere, I've experienced it, but essentially, I think it was an analogy I'm stealing from someone. When you watch someone consuming a delightful ice cream cone and you watch it and you feel joy for them that they are relishing that moment they're licking every icy creamy bite and you just feel warmth and joy for them knowing how great it is for them to watch um you're in watching it and knowing how beautiful that experience is for them you're not thinking i wish i had ice cream how unfair they should give me some of their ice cream you're not trying to sneak in for a bite um and i'm dairy free so i'm thinking coconut ice cream but you picture whatever your own favorite kind of ice cream okay or whatever dessert but that's compersion. Or someone does well in a workplace and you are elated for them genuinely. And there's no thought of, oh, well, what about me? When's mine? When am I going to get mine? So I think compersion is a familiar feeling for all of us, but a lot of us are framing it, thinking it needs to be sexual or romantically related. So I'd like to go into that and talk about some specific examples in the future, but I hope that spells out a little bit for some of you. Um, and knowing that jealousy can lead to compersion, that's been my experience. Um, when I hit jealousy as a reactive emotion, I look at why, what does that mean for me? And often that can eventually lead me to compersion and recognizing there's a deficit in me and my experience. And that why that's why it's sat as jealousy. And then I can reframe and experience pleasure and joy for another person, not making it about me at all. Um, another listener reached out and spoke about how they really enjoyed the dialogue from 
about open relationship structures from someone in an open relationships, but they also wanted to hear more of that from a singles perspective. So Bella is a bit of that, um, Morbius as well, but I would like to bring someone on who maybe is in a polyamorous relationship and they're not someone's primary. I have some ideas on what that could look like, um, but if that's you, reach out because I'd like to examine that further. I'll probably throw out some polls on Instagram in the coming weeks to get some ideas around that, but guys, slide into my DMs. Um, another disclosure, don't slide into my DMs to try to, you know, like, God, I've been pushing the boundaries of what I'm posting. I've been trying to push into some more playfully sexual content because that's what this is, but it is not me trying to sexualize myself. I am not trying to have people reach out to fuck me. Um, there's been some inappropriate content in that way, which I express to people I'm uncomfortable with and I will block if needed. Um, but then there's been some beautiful people who are reaching out to relate to me. That's what I mean when I say slide into my DMs. Um, most of you don't live where I live, so I'm not sure what your expectation is. I'm also not going to start engaging in like sexually explicit conversation with you in a way that some people thought I might, I guess. Um, so thank you to those who get that and get what fuck love laugh is and are sharing with me in that way. I thought it was obvious and I thought the consideration and the format made that clear, but there's always going to be people who perceive what they want from my posts. So yeah, slide in, let's chat, let's dialogue, let's share, let's discuss, but let's be respectful, okay? Um, not brought up for me. I've mentioned before that I dabble in online dating spaces. I've had a similar experience in the last couple of weeks with what that looks like. And I think I put myself out there very clearly. I think what I'm looking for is evident, but again, people's perception and the way they view the world's not always going to align to mine. So as a word of advice, if you're playing in online spaces, please do not send sexually explicit content without checking first without a request coming from the other. Let's start as humans first. Let's connect that way. Let's relate. Let's make sure consent is there. I'm going to ask for a dick pic as much as the next girl once I've met the person, once I know I want it, you know? But let's not start there. I thought that was implied. Clearly not. I feel sad that I don't get to do any of the fuck love laugh interview questions this week. So I'm going to throw one at you that I threw at you from Instagram. It's your turn. You got to choose. You got to fuck. You got to laugh. You got to love. And then you have to choose one that you're going to get rid of. And when I threw that at you on Instagram... What do you think the responses were? Split. Third. Evenly. A third of you, it was Chuck fuck. A third of you, it was Chuck love. And a third of you, it was Chuck laugh. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the ultimate would you rather. A broad scope of people. I obviously, people following me 
there's going to be some commonalities there, but I just thought it was funny. And it just really realigned for me that it is so hard to choose between those three things. And you know what I said in my interview, but really those are the three things I keep coming back to that are vital to relationships for me. They're vital to my existence as a person. And um, every time I engage with someone and in a way that is beyond, you know, just any deeper level, my closest friends, my favorite lovers are people I have great sex with, I love, and I can laugh with. Yes, my friends, I don't fuck. Um, yeah, so, but most of my close friends, um, same, I have to be able to laugh with them, and we have to be able to talk about sex, and we have to be able to dialogue around love, and I care for them deeply. So I don't know if there's a better threesome than fuck, love, laugh. I just don't know. So thanks for sharing and responding to that question on Instagram. And um, yeah, guys, it's impossible to choose. It's You all said that. So <laughs> thanks for your replies. Okay, so I hope that piece is together okay for us. I hope that is a clear sharing. I hope that it's valuable to you. So before I go, I'm not going to say sorry, but I am going to say thank you for sticking it out with me with the audio. <laughs> Hopefully the recording volume is better and that will give you more consistent listening. But thanks for putting up with my voice and um, any additional <laughs> mouth sounds, I guess, that I've created this week. I'm hoping that next time I record that won't be so apparent. Thank you for those of you uh, communicating what you're loving about fuck love laugh um you're appreciating the language set you're appreciating diversity you're appreciating the playfulness um i'm really trying to just let it be what it is i love to laugh and i could incorporate more of that but i'm also very aware that i use laughter as a mask and i avoid some tricky topics by laughing about them i also push some topics into discussion by being able to laugh about them. And I think if you're critically observing the podcast, you'll hear times where I push people a little bit through humor and then they end up opening up. But know that I want it to be all those things. And yeah. So thank you and talk to you soon. Bye guys. So there it is, fuck, love, laugh, a phrase for which meaning can transform being perceived to each their own. So you found me here today, but I don't know how. So I'm going to give you a few different modes that you can find more from fuck, love, laugh. You're welcome to visit my website at fucklovelaugh.com. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at fucklovelaugh. And I'm still deciding if you'll find me on Facebook, but F love laugh is what you'll find me at if I'm there. Oh, so you do know that I leave you a little extra at the end. This was a little bit of a test to see who hangs out for that last little teaser.
So if you're listening to the pod and you follow me on Instagram, send me a little wink and I'll know that you're one.